Check one. There we go. Hey. All right. All right. Good evening. So if you didn't catch the joke at the beginning, the, the, the joke was they scoured the earth trying to find the best person to kick off the conference, and he was unavailable. <laughs> so they called the second person, and he was out of town. And so you got, you got me. So there it is. There it is. So, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You know, there's, there, there are some weeks that um, I feel like, you know, um, God has put, has arranged the praise and worship sets um, just for me. Right. So I schedule the songs, but I spend a lot of time in prayer and, um, uh, uh, you know, asking the Lord to uh, give me the songs that we that we that we sing week to week. And so this week I see the evidence of your goodness. Why should I fear the evidence is here? I look around and I see how God is taking care of me time and time again. And so I I I I prefer to sing of God's goodness. Yeah. But every every now and then I'm given the opportunity to speak on God's goodness. And and so uh, it, it I, but but I have to admit that I enter into it sometimes with a little fear and trembling. Right. This is a different space for me. So I thank you for your um, um, uh, for being here, man, uh, that, that you, you found out and you didn't leave and, and, and say, I'll come back when Dave is ready to speak. As, I knew my wife would stay back there, but yeah, so anyway. So tonight we're continuing on with our discipleship conference that we began this morning, and we'll be covering two of the four goals of discipleship tonight. I'll be covering uh, goal number one, which is to be established in the worship of God, and Dave will be covering goal number two, which is to be established in the word of God, right? Um, on Wednesday night, goal number three and four will be covered, which is to be established in the fellowship of and structure of the local church. And then the fourth goal is to be established in the ministry. There you go. Yeah. So um, and for sake of context, I, I want to remind you what we've been saying all along, and that is this conference is for all of us, regardless of where you are, regardless of your beginning, regardless if you're uh, if you've been doing this thing for a long time. Um, uh, this discipleship conference is for each one of us because Christ likeness is guaranteed, but it's not automatic. It's something that we have to continue to uh, work through uh, with discipleship. Right. And it takes the Christian being established in each of these four goals to become a true disciple. Uh, so uh, in short, uh, it is about each one of us taking the next step in our Christian lives. And listen, you, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but. Man, uh, the devil doesn't want us to get discipled, to disciple the next person. Um, in fact, the devil delights in immature baby Christians because if you don't get discipled or if you don't disciple, then you, you're no harm or hurt to him. Right. We know this. Right. Second Timothy two, one through three says, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who sh shall be able to teach others also. And that's the dangerous spot that we, we want to be dangerous to Satan. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. So, um, uh, and, and see, uh, uh, Satan, Satan knows that you're not dangerous until you get into, involved in discipleship. But once you have committed to faithful men, those those men are able to teach others also and make others disciples. So uh, let's pray and then um, we'll get into it. Father, we come to you. And uh, Lord, I just uh, just off top, just uh, ask that you would uh, just take the words that you've given, Lord, and provide it and bless them and and use them to encourage, to edify uh, to build up the Lord and, and to 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 help us um, individually and even in myself to to move from where we are to the next place that you would have us to be. Lord, um, I love you and, and just thank you for every moment that you've you've uh, uh, provided for us to step forward in ministry uh, and, and specifically me to step forward and 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 how you continually provide and take care as, as we step into that. Um, we love you, Lord, for it's in Christ's name we pray and thank the all God's people said. Amen. Amen. So the first goal of discipleship is establish uh, uh, the disciple and the worship of God. And um, I don't know where I started, so I don't know how much time I have. And I'm, I'm, I sometimes will go over. So uh, give me a, yeah, yeah. Dave won't say that. Uh, but but uh, this goal, uh, this first goal of, of being established in the worship of God is foundational to the other three goals of discipleship. So um, let's start off with what worship is. Worship is all that I am paying homage, honor or respect to all that God is. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to John 4, and we're going to read a few verses there. And I'm, I'm, I'm only going to take a few minutes, and then I'll pass it on to, to, to Dave and, and some, some other uh, housekeeping things and some things that we wanted to cover with you all. But uh, John 4, 20 through 24 says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you see in these verses that worship has to do with real life, and that God is not just seeking worship. He gets worship all the time, right? He gets worship from angels that are on assignment to worship before the throne. He gets worship from the universe. He gets worship from creation, from animals uh, and animals. All of that worships God. Uh, Even inanimate objects worship God. You remember the verse in Luke 19 where uh, uh, it it, it was said, if if you tell that, if, if if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. 
But God is seeking for something hard to find, and that is people created in his image who have a free will to worship him voluntarily out of love. That is the one thing that you can give God that he really wants, right? What, what can you give to, to God? I mean, he, he owns everything, right? God who has everything. According to Psalms 24, 1, which saith, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwelleth therein. It's all God's. So how, what, what can we give to God, right? God, who has everything, wants to hear us say, That I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And you know what? You get started on that. And you see praise running all through that psalm. Right. and, And I just want to take a little time. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Just just worship all through this praise. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. How can you not worship in that situation? Right. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints. For there is no want to him that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Man, all that that whole psalm is good. But Psalms 29, 2 says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of 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 holiness. So worshiping God has to do with recognizing God as God in our lives. And and that is to be done collectively. God is our father. Amen. And and not just your father. He's our father. So, So no believer is an only child. In fact, isolated Christians are a contradiction to Christianity because God will do for us in public worship and in public prayer things that he will not do for us personally and privately. You see, Christians feed off of each other when we celebrate the glory of God. That's why it's so special when we come together. And it's like that song that we just sang, you know, um, that we sang tonight. It's the evidence of God that you see as we gather together. When Christianity is on display, you see the cross in other people's lives. You see the empty tomb, the empty grave. Man, if you could see my empty tomb, if you could see the man that was put in there. Right. And so many of us have that testimony that, man, I'm not that old man. And 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 I've been changed, healed, forgiven. The songs, uh, songs always start speaking to me and every 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 word. I, I, I just start thinking about different songs. And and so that's a, that man. If you if you have that, that's that's good, man, because you get to carry uh, uh, God all throughout the day, all throughout everything. I'm just talking to with a friend and it'll pop up. But anyway, uh, that is what you can't see when you're at home on a television screen. Yeah. 
And I know you all are here. Uh, that is what you need. to. That is why you need to be here with us worshiping. That's why we need to get our, our the people that we're discipling in here with us back here worshiping. Um, the purpose of the local church is to edify. Yeah. When people come in and visit and worship with us, they should see the evidence of God right around them in each one of you. Sitting next to them, opening the door for them, directing them to the restroom, whatever it is. And, and, and I feel like, you know, I, 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 just to go even further with that, they need to see the person that, listen, some of these people that, that the, the majority of the people that we invite, a, a lot of times they, they, they knew you before. Sometimes they knew you before. They need to see, listen, they need to see the addict that they used to run with. But now their life is different. They need they need to see the marriage that was on the brink. But now they're 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 together and everything is fine. They need to see the person that used to cuss like a sailor. And now they're filled with words of wisdom, words of peace. They should see that timid person that is now bold for Christ. They should see that shy person that can't stop stop talking about God's goodness. That broken person that that continues to stand and continues to trust the faithful and hopeful that refuse to distrust God. Yesterday, man, we had we had a church service memorial Tom's uh, Tom Wilkes uh, memorial service. And how do you go through something like that? And. In this time right now, how do you go through? How do we go through the things in life and deal with them? I mean, right now we just say, "Man, when that time comes, you can say." I mean, all we can do is hope that we're, we're going to do exactly what the Bible says, and we're going to show exactly what what Christ would want us to show. And and listen, I say, all we can do is is, is, is we can have our mindset, man. But when I look at at that family and they want us to sing a song that says you were faithful, then you'll be faithful now. And that's the thing. I can see the evidence of God's goodness all over my life. Why would I? And so here's the thing. When when people come in here to worship with us, they should see that. They should see it. But here's the thing. We spend a, a lot of time trying to cover up that old man. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I got it. I got to I got to I got to pause and, and, and sit here for a little while, because oftentimes what 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 people see when they come in the churches is the put together Christian that has it all together. And 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 we're portraying something. It's not necessarily true. They need to they need to know. And I'm not saying we should put it on display. Hey, you want to see all my old bones and that dead man? I'm not saying that. But they listen, they that is the hope for them. To know that that man, you what do you mean? You you came from from a broken situation like that? 
But we're, we, we, we get to the point where we're trying to cover up that old man, ashamed of who we are, who we were. And, and, and like I said, I'm not saying that's something that you should be proud of, but that is the evidence of God. Listen, if, 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 if I can use my story to reach someone and get someone to come closer to God because of, of, of the mistakes I've made in the past, that is the evidence of God. That, that a person can, can go from one lifestyle that is living contradictory to anything God would ever want for you and turning and turning and, and, and giving your life to Christ. That is the evidence of God. And when you see the evidence of God, you can't help but praise. You can't help but worship. You can't help but wonder why, why, what has changed. What, what's changed with this, with, the, with this old boy? He up there. And, and look, let me tell you about it. High school was different. I, but look, the evidence of God is on my life. You want to check it out? Come talk to me. Right? We spend too much time putting an emphasis on what we can't do. But see, I'm, I'm here to tell you that uh, that's who the person wants. That, that's, that's the person God wants to use. We, we, we say we can't. We doubt that 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 we can. And I see I see that, you know, what came to mind was these videos that we play on Sunday mornings, releasing the cracking. And, and I see I see I see us saying, man, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to show that part of my life. And I, I see God just like, uh, man, just just go ahead. Let me release the cracking on this, you know, in this situation, in this in, this, in, in, in your life. Man, let me let me release the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to glorify me. But we stop short. We stop short. We miss putting Christ on display for uh, we miss seeing the miracle in our lives and we miss putting Christ on display for uh, ourselves and others. And, and, and then we miss, we miss our worship spot for um, ourselves and others. They need to see that you came out of that situation, that you came through that situation, that you got over that situation, whatever it is. And so so my, my thing is let others see the evidence of of, of his goodness and worship. John four twenty four says the essence of worship has to be done in spirit and in truth. It has to come from the heart, but it also has to reflect the truth. Of God. So for worship to be worship, it must engage both your emotions and your mind. The right attitude must be wedded to the right information. And that is why this goal is foundational to all the other the other three. And and you know that your spirit is engaged in worship when three things are true. When you've dealt with sin, when you've yielded to the Holy Ghost and you praise God. And and some people will say, you know, you're going to run into some people that say it might even be you. But what if I don't desire to worship? Then you worship God out of duty and begging for the desire. So I'll wrap up asking the same question that Alan asked this morning, and that is. Where are you going? What have you have you signed up for discipleship? Have you have you just said I've I've discipled enough? 
I've, 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 I've discipled, you know, I'm, I'm done. In this church, we want every member to be a minister. Every Christian has a high calling, like Alan was saying earlier this morning. So what's your next step? So the first goal of discipleship is establishing your disciple in worship, but it doesn't stop there. The next step is establishing your disciple in the word of God. And Dave is going to come up after Alan and after a, a administrative moment. Thanks. Amen. I praise the Lord that the first guy we called couldn't make it and the second guy was out of town. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, so, so uh, okay. So, here's earth's earliest believers. They're going to fulfill what Jesus told them to do. And so they're out there doing that. And, you know, they had certain advantages we don't. They had a physical expression of the Holy Spirit that we don't get now, but we get what they didn't have because we have a completed Bible. They didn't even have a complete Bible for 60 years. I mean, it took 60 years before the Bible was complete. Even then, you didn't get it all in one spot. And certain churches had certain books, and they were passing them around. And it took a while to get it all together and get it like we have. But today, today, you can get it bound in leather with gold edges. Uh, or you can get it online, as the case may be. And, uh, but all the Bible is right there, and we have tools We're able to look things up. We're able to do stuff. Now, listen, don't you think that with all of the technology, all the developments, everything that's happened in the last 2,000 years, don't you think that God would want us to to use that to make our discipleship better? I think that he would. So we, we use word processors. We use copy machines. We, uh, so, he, so here's what we've got. Here's what you've got in the life of Christ. So we've got seven stages, four goals. And, and you know, it wasn't until we were able to get all four Gospels together and put them together chronologically that we're able to figure out, wow, Jesus did seven things with his disciples this is how he made disciples there's seven stages they went through now we will tell you that in discipleship too we don't tell you that now you don't need to know that now but what we did was take those seven stages and distill them down and squeeze four goals out of that four biblical goals for discipleship and, you know, and I know that's what it is because, uh, I mean, for years we were doing discipleship and had four goals for discipleship. And then, lo and behold, Tony Evans, a few years back, wrote a book, What Matters Most. And in that book, What Matters Most, he lists exactly the same four things and talks about them in there. So these are the four goals of discipleship. This is how you know you have discipled someone. So we got seven stages, four goals, and check this, 16 lessons. Because as a practical matter, discipleship in this church is us taking you through one-on-one, taking you through 16 basic fundamental concepts of the Christian life that you'll use all your life. So you're never stopping a disciple in that sense. You'll use it for the rest of your life. But as a matter of fact, whenever later in your life you find you have a problem in your life, you probably need to go back to one of those lessons. 
and, and go back and review and get back to the fundamentals. Now, in doing all that, I know that you would want us as a church to use all the tools God's given us in order to administrate this ministry of discipleship so that you had confidence in it, so that you had confidence in our leadership of being able to direct it, so that you knew that we knew what was going on, so that we'd be able to help you over any rough spots or whenever there was a problem or something like that. So we do have an administrative piece that especially if you are discipling, we want to remind you of and make everybody else aware of. So I'm going to ask Kim to come up because Kim Huber will be the one in the office that you uh, interface with, uh, usually in this. And so she's going to take just a little bit of time and talk about uh, what we do to administrate discipleship. And, and, and I, I, you can either do what they want or not. I don't care. I'll hand you the mic down there, <laughs> but if they want me up here. Um, and, and so she's going to tell us about the administrative side, and then right after her, Dave Hill is going to come up to go through the, the second goal of discipleship. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys, for first of all, for being here. It's so exciting to see everybody on Sunday night, so thanks for for um, just being here, and um, it, it's very good reflection of what's in what we call the queue. And so what we're going to do real quick is we're, we are asking that you would help us see the life of discipleship. And what we use is a process queue, and it be, probably means nothing to you, but we're going to walk through um, disciplers and disciplees, um, what it looks like for you. So if you guys will go ahead and, yeah. Um, so the very first thing is, is this is our process. Um, the journey through discipleship is your application process, right? An assignment of disciple. So if you have never been discipled, today's your day. You can, at the end of this, you can go out to the welcome desk and there'll be myself or someone else will be up there to help you sign up. It'll be, um, online. So we'll get you going. So once you've, once you've applied, give us a few days and we will assign you a disciple. So how how does that work? We're going to look at um, what you've put, and then a, a pastor will assign you, whether you're in a, a class right now, you, that, that class pastor will assign you. Um, Alan um, is also someone that will help us as well. So then you go into what's called the start date. So if you are discipling and you're like, what are, why am I getting these emails from Kim? The start date is just to help us stay on track, because a lot of times it, it'll be five months and we didn't realize, oh, we assigned them, but they never started. And, and there's a million reasons, right? Maybe health or whatever, but um, we're just really trying to see the life and be able to track. And, and it's not, you know, uh, just trying to keep a, a eyes on you. It, it really is just exciting and encouraging to see like where everybody is. So if you will just do us a huge favor and as uh, the day that you meet, meet with them, that um, you just email the office, that would be awesome. So then you go to lessons one through four, progress. And you've heard a lot about these progress reports, which is just kind of cool because it will help you and your discipler know where they are exactly, right? So it's going to go through those first four lessons, which is goal one, and you're going to go through that with them. Um, Yeah, sorry. So here we go. Um, So lessons one through four, and the cool thing is, is you can do it online again. You do not have to have paper copies. I know we're 
Uh, it's just so much easier, right? So there's a bit link up there, but I'm kind of excited because I love things just to do things on my refrigerator. Out at the welcome desk, all of these bit links up here. So if you see Discipler Lessons went through for progress report, you can go out there. There's a little magnet we can give you. It has all the progress reports. You can just type that in. You're good to go. Now, I do realize that some of you are would rather not deal with a computer. Guess what? We have those right out of the welcome desk. We just need you to fill them out um, and then turn them back into the welcome desk. So, um, so, and I, it's probably a little bit hard to see, but the one thing that we want to make sure that you realize is, is okay, so, um, and I feel like maybe we skipped a slide, but we'll see. Uh, we'll get there. Um, so, disciplers, you're going to fill it out, but make sure you're doing it with your disciple so that, that everybody knows what's going on, right? I mean, we, we all want to know the, the growth process, and so there, there's no surprises. Okay. Um, so, and I just wanted to make sure you kind of saw each one of them and, and how they look. Um, there are a lot of, they're just in our MyHBC forms, so you filled out a lot of forms for us, but each one is, is different according to the goals. So five through eight is going to be uh, the goal two, and so that's why it's less the, the two up there. So just make sure that you're, you're doing the right one, and um, you're good to go, and we have record of that. Okay, and then again, nine through 12, same thing. And the last one. Okay, so then 13 through 16 is really important because it tells us, hey, they're not only through 16, but now they're completed and they're ready to be presented, right? We love to be able to celebrate um, completion of discipleship, right? It is the life of our church, right? If we're reproducing, this is important because this person's ready to go on to the next step to reproduce themselves. So we want to celebrate them. So make sure you fill this out. The question in there, and it tells you on here, is, hey, first, when did you finish? We need to know that for the certificate. And two, when are you and your disciple available to be uh, recognized at Sunday morning service? Because we want to make sure we make a big deal of it. And they get a little gift for finishing. It's kind of nice just to further their growth. Okay, so then, um, so, and just so you know, so that's what it kind of looks like. And, and the pastor that is overseeing your journey. So at, there is a pastor overseeing all of the um, disciples and disciplees. So if you don't know who that is, we can, we can get you um, hooked up at the welcome desk. But we want you to know that you're supported through all of this. And so um, they will be the one that actually presents your certificate at, um, on Sunday morning. The only other thing I wanted to say is, is okay, let's go back to the application process, right? Um, if you're signing up online, the very last question talks about, is there anything else we need to know? If you already have someone in mind that you want to, to um, disciple you, just put it there, because that takes the guessing work away, and, and more than times than not, you'll get that person. Okay, so if you have any questions, we'll be out at the welcome desk. You guys can ask questions, but we just really wanted to walk you through how important this is um, because it helps us just see where you guys are, how long you've been there. Just so you know, some of you have probably gotten some texts or emails from me. The system is set up to remind me after eight or six weeks, hey, so-and-so is overdue. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you're, you are in a bad place. It just means I need to check in and see where you guys are. And it's kind of cool because who knows, you know, life happens. So it's just nice to be able to um, check in with you guys. And I love to be encouraged too by it. So, all right, thank you. And then Dave, I think you're up. I think everybody knows me, but for those of you who don't, I'm Dave Hill. 
So, um, I'm going to be talking about establishing disciple in the Word of God, goal number two. And so, I've got Brian up here, and I'm going to have him say something in a second. But, um, you know, I want to say that you need to understand when you're working with your disciple that you are the key to the foundation that's being established for their future. And you don't want to fail at that because you feel like you're not equipped. Don't, don't let the devil tell you you're not equipped. Well, I don't know the Bible like that person. Don't let that happen. Allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to use you because it will, it will work. And so the, you need to understand that the word of God is vitally important in your relationship with your Lord. So when you are discipling, it is important that your relationship is with the word of God and it's seen by your disciple. That's important. So I remember when I was discipling this young man here and he had a master's, he had his doctorate and he taught. He was an adjunct professor at Midwestern. So we were going through at the beginning of it. We got to lesson five. But actually before that, I was eyeballing him and I was watching his Bible. So I let it slide because I did not want to offend him. So when we got to lesson five, I said, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about the word of God. He goes, yeah. A very, very wise guy. And so I said, I, I'm recognizing that the Bible that you're using is different that the one, than the one that I'm using. And if you're going to disciple here at Harvest, we want you to be in consistent with what we're using. So I told him, I said, go to Acts chapter 8. So go to Acts chapter 8 real quick. And I said, go to Acts chapter 8 because I think it's important. Because, and, and so he took it out and so he had, he had several Bibles. And he, one of them was an NIV. So I said, you know, I, read Acts, I, I want you to read starting with uh, 34, 35. And I want you to start reading down. So here's what he said in his Bible in the NIV. He said, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So then he reads 36 and he said, they traveled along the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Okay. So he's reading and then he he reads when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. I said, wait, 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 wait. You missed the verse. What happened to 37? He said, it's not in my Bible. I said, oh, well, if it's not in your Bible, I said, somebody read 37 out loud. They took Jesus out. And I said, where's Jesus in your Bible? He said, oh, he's down here. At the bottom of my Bible in a footnote. I said, wait, wait. Are you telling me that Jesus has been reduced to a footnote to you? And you want to preach the word of God? You're teaching out there at Midwestern? He said, oh, man, this ain't good. Now, I won't say who he is and I won't tell you where he's at. But he's in Kansas, western Kansas right now. He's a pastor. You, you need to understand when you establish your disciple in the word of God, it's important that you use the right Bible. 
and that they see that's in your life. So some of you remember, you know Pastor Kenny Morgan, right? Down in Midtown. Okay, I led him to the Lord. And I began to invest the word of God in his life and I discipled him. I made the word of God so important to him that he now has a strong relationship with the word of God. But as a discipler, he needed to see the word of God was real and evident in my life. So when you're discipling, that's what you have to do. Your disciple needs to see that in you. You know, at at the beginning of discipleship, and he doesn't care if I say this, but he had a friend who invited him to a charismatic conference in Kansas. And he left there confused because they were speaking in tongues. And so they told him that was God's way of communication. I said, well, what did you do? He goes, well, Pops, when I went up there, there was a big crowd of people and they were speaking in tongue and all that. And he said, I was just standing there like, what am I supposed to do? So his friend said, just say anything. So he said, oh, so he just mumbled stuff. And he goes, he says, oh, this, that doesn't make sense to me. So I spent time with him. And I took him through the word of God. I went to Acts chapter 2. I went to 1 Corinthians 14. I wanted him to understand that that's not what the Bible says. You know what I'm saying? He got angry. He says, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to get them straight. Well, he's been setting people straight for a number of years now. Because he's the discipleship pastor at Midtown. So... I want you to know that it's your responsibility to make sure that your disciple understands that you are establishing them in the word of God. So when Rosie and I got to Baptist Temple in 86, long time for us old people. So they said, look, you guys ought to get in discipleship. That's what Rosie said. She said, well, we need to get in discipleship. And I go, no, I don't need that. And maybe some of you have heard this story before. And she said to me. You don't know everything. <laughs> wow. So, so what I did was I said, okay. So I submitted myself to discipleship, and she and I got discipled by a couple in Olathe, and we went every week. Brian, at the time, was 11 years old. Little guy. So he was 11 years old at that time. But I submitted us, my, we had submitted ourselves to discipleship because we wanted to find out what God wanted us. And from that point, I took off and I became a discipleship machine. And God started blessing me because you never know who God has prepared for you until you totally submit to discipleship. That's what it needs to happen. You can't sit back and say, well, I'm just going to be a Sunday morning Christian. That's what Pastor Shelby said this morning. You should say, I want to be used by God. Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. So I want Brian to give us a testimony about what the word of God meant to him when he was being discipled. Well, so I was one of those people that was discipled by the discipleship machine. So, and, uh, and it was good then, and it's proven to be good in my life. I'll just leave it over there. So let me just say this first of all. Um, so, so in high school, being discipled and, you know, just being saved and, you know, being baptized and then this whole thing is new and, and trying to learn kind of how to navigate life and all those different kinds of things. It, it occurred to me one day that, that this Bible, right, is, is a handbook for my life, like in every aspect 
I mean, as as a kid growing up, right? You, you go to church on Sunday, and I was I was one of those kids. I was in church. I felt like seven days a week, right? Preacher's kid. Uh, but you go to, you go to church on Sundays, and you see people at church, and and you do the church thing, right? But then there's life during the week, and so you know yeah, the, the Bible. But going through discipleship, I realized that no, this is this is my handbook for life. This is everything. This is every aspect. You know, I think about. First Corinthians 10, and, and Paul's writing in First Corinthians 10, and he, and he talks about the children of Israel right, coming through uh, across the Red Sea and then their wilderness experience and, and that that was done for our in-sample, right? There were examples to us, that whole process. And so I look at that and I think, okay, well, I, I, I need to figure out what's, what's going on with them so I can figure out what's going on with me. So that's my example. Well, I know, well you know when they first uh, came across and one of, the, they, one of the first struggles they had was they were thirsty, right? And they were complaining about being thirsty, and so God provided for them. Later on, they were complaining about being hungry, and God provided for them. Um, and so one of the things I recognize about the Word of God is it shows me um, a little bit about who I am in the sense that, and, and, and you've probably done this too, I imagine, you look at, you read through uh, Scripture like Exodus, and you see all the complaints, and you think, I, I don't believe they complained all the time. Can you, I mean, they Weren't they, weren't they in Egypt? Didn't they see what God did? How, I mean, why would they complain? Why would they, uh, and then I think, oh, I do that. <laughs> right, right? So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, right? It's, it's, it's a handbook for life, but it shows me me. It shows me my issues, my, my uh, low points, right? my deficits, the things that I need to work on. So in the sense of that handbook for life, I read through it and I see myself and I see, oh, I need to work on that. Right? How, how could they not trust God, I mean, all, all the things he did uh, in, in, in Egypt, and, and I mean, the, the Red Sea parted, and they walked across on dry land, and, and he provided them water, and he provided them manna, and he provided, and he provided, and provided. They don't trust him. How can they not trust him? And then something happens in my life, and I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, I don't trust him. Right, so so it's it's a mirror, right? It shows me me. It shows me my issues, the stuff that's going on with me. And and as I said, in every aspect of life, right, it shows me how to be a husband. Right, Ephesians five twenty five talks about husbands loving your wives, uh, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In First Peter three seven, it says husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Right, so not just loving them in just any old kind of way, but figuring out what they need, studying them and loving them according to knowledge. So it shows me, okay. Uh, I can see how I should be as a husband by looking at the Word of God. I can see how I should trust in God by looking at the Word of God and reading the Word of God. I can see and look at the children of Israel and see how many times they messed up and recognize and hope that I don't mess up that same way. I can see how God uh, treated the children of Israel when they were complaining and he didn't get angry at them immediately. Now they kept going and eventually got there. But just like a brand new baby, right, they were just being born spiritually. God was patient with them. And I understand that he can be long-suffering towards me because of the word of God, right? All these different types of things. I can look at the word of God and recognize that whole trusting process. And James, he says that my faith is being tried so that I can have patience. And then when I have patience, I can get to a point where I'm wanting nothing. In Romans 5, it goes through that process again, right? The trying of, of my faith and tribulations gives me patience. It gives me experience. It gives me hope. And so hopefully I can work through that progression and get to a point where 
where I'm spiritually mature so that I'm not crying like a baby every single time something goes wrong in my life, right? And I find that out by looking at the Word of God and reading the Word of God and recognizing that I need it and I can't do everything myself. Uh, Pastor Allen talked about going back to uh, those those original lessons in Discipleship 1. And y'all, I do that all the time. I mean, it is so foundational. I mean, I've, I've taken people through discipleship, but there's still many a time where I'll go back and get my, get my folder and I open it up to a specific lesson and, and remind myself of what God said about this or what God about said about that. Again, we look at the Bible and it's this spiritual book. And yes, it is, but it tells me about how I should treat my employer. It, it, it tells me how I should work at work. Right. I'm, I shouldn't be about this thing as men pleasers. But when I'm in there working and doing my job like like as unto the Lord, then that gives me an opportunity to witness because people see that I'm different. I get that from God's word. It talks to me about my finances and how I should treat my money and recognize that it all belongs to him. But he only asked for a certain amount. But still, every penny, I, I, I need to be aware of where it's going. And, 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 and I'm blessed as, as a result of that. And when people see that, they can maybe ask me questions like, what are you doing? How are you different? And I can say, hey, it's because of the word of God. Right. It is so foundational in everything we do. So um, I, I just wanted to read this uh, to kind of to bring this bring my part to a close. Um, a, a verse I think that we all know well, but uh, but Joshua one eight. Right. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Right? This is the one place in the Bible where we see the word success. How am I going to be successful? This book. This book. And also we have to recognize right, how are we defining success. Right? It's, 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 not, it's not temporal. It's not with money. It's not with things because all those things are going to burn up anyway. So my success is going to be in what I'm doing that's going to be eternal. And when you get that kind of a mindset and when you recognize that everything you need uh, is here, it'll change your life. I can tell you that I've made many mistakes over the years because I tried to keep doing things on my own. I tried to keep doing things with my own wisdom, my own knowledge, what seemed right to me, what made sense to me. And you stumble and you stumble and you stumble. And God is just like, I can just imagine God just looking at me thinking, uh, whenever you're going to decide you're going to follow me, I'm here. Dummy. I mean, I'm talking about myself. So I'm not calling anybody here. All right, talking about myself. But I'm right here whenever you decide you're going to follow me. Like follow me all the way according to the word of God. It's foundational in everything we do. And when this is your foundation and this is your focus and this is what you're all about, you're going to have good success. Amen. So look at your handout. You have some handouts there. So I'm going to, I'm going to do uh, what Pastor Shelby uh, did to us back in shepherd school back in the 80s and the 90s. We, we called Pastor Shelby Machine Gun Shelby. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly through this real quick. And uh, I got about 13 minutes. So on your handout, we're talking about, there's a couple of scriptures there. It's on the inside of your handout. 
it says, um, if we continue, Colossians 1.23, Colossians 1.23, there you go. It says, if we continue in the faith grounded and settled, that's the fill-in, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached every creature which is in heaven. Then we jump over to Acts 18, which Pastor Shelby was in this morning. We find this man named Apollos, who was eloquent and mighty in the scriptures. He was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only, so the fill-in word is only, the baptism of John. So that is the key to the point that I'm making, is that this person had knowledge of the scriptures and was a very good person in terms of knowing the way of the Lord, but he only knew the baptism of John. So uh, you'll find Aquila and Priscilla, which you heard this morning, they, they took him and they began the discipleship process with him. That's what you will be doing when you're taking somebody through the scriptures. That's what's going to happen when someone takes you through the scripture if you've never been discipled before. You should want to be disciples. Sign up and let somebody take you through the scriptures. And that's what they did. And after expounding the scriptures and the way of the Lord more perfectly, they actually moved into goal number three because they, it says in Acts 18, 27, and when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him, receive him, who when he was come helped them so much, which had believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. And so that's what you're doing. They took him to goal number three, establishing him in the fellowship of believers. So it is at this point in discipleship that you as a disciple are spending time with your disciple. You have begun the process of helping them to become established in the word, which was explained in worship, which was explained by Pastor Starks. For all practical purposes, you actually could have begun the process of engaging them in the word of God when you first started. You don't have to wait till you get to lesson five to establish them in the word. You can start at the beginning. You, that person could have a Bible that they're struggling with. And if you don't pay attention to it, you know, you, you are saying, ah, it's, it's OK for you to use that. Well, we don't, you don't want to be legalistic on somebody. And that's where we have to be careful so look at the key point number one. As a discipler, it is your responsibility to be patient, sensitive, and not legalistic in helping to transition your disciple and using the KJV, which is our foundation. So you don't want to just all of a sudden make them feel bad because they have something that you don't have. You need to be able to figure out how to explain to them the word of God, the way it is, and the foundation of it. And, I, you know, I, I'm very sensitive to disciples, so I'm not some pile driver, you know, like, oh, okay, you got to get rid of that. You know, I, I want to take my time and work them through it so they understand that. Because you would not want to take your nice car, a Cadillac, to a Volkswagen dealer. You know, I wouldn't. I, if I, the person who's going to work on my car, I want them to know how to work on my car. I don't want them to use a Volkswagen manual to try to fix a nice car. I don't have a Cadillac. Some of you guys do, but I don't have one. So here's the bottom line truth. This is Pastor Shelby's, but the bottom line truth. Disciple must be grounded in the scriptures so that he or she can grow in their spirituality. The disciple must be grounded in the scriptures so that he or she can grow in their spiritualities. So um, you want to assist your disciple. You want to assist your disciple in being comfortable and using and understanding the word of God. So here's my next point. What does your disciple gain? 
First of all, in lesson five, the word of God, the word of God, they gain scripture and authority. That's your fill in because you're establishing your discipleship, your disciples relationship with God. So your disciple learns to depend on the actual words of God instead of trying to hear some audible voice of God. And it's okay. Don't argue with your disciple because they say that. Take your time and work with them and allow them to understand what the word of God is saying. Lesson six is on prayer. What is that? Supplication and entreaty. So as you work with your disciple in this phase of the four goals, they begin to learn that prayer has specific purposes and that your disciple is learning to communicate directly with God. You're teaching them how to communicate with God because you're using the word of God to teach them to do that. And then lesson seven, the will of God, they're learning submission and opportunity. It is at this stage of goal number two, your disciple will begin to develop those lines of the communication. God speaking to them through his word and your disciples seeking God through prayer. I, I know that your disciples eyes will be open in lesson seven because when they truly understand what the will of God really is and how it's different from God's plan, they will understand what it is that God wants for their life. So uh, everything today involves around communication, cell phones, computers, airplanes, taxis, sports, all that kind of stuff. But by this time, you should have and continue to help your disciples develop a heart for worship and the word. And so your disciples heart for worship and the word spills over it into the goal number three, which we'll talk about Wednesday, establishing them in the fellowship of other believers. Then lesson eight, the local church. What they'll find there is structure and stability. Structure and stability. Here, as your disciple, you are constantly examining your, examining your disciple to see how well they're fitting in to the fellowship of believers. It's your job to take them around. Take them to your Bible study. Take them to your harvest team. Be involved. Get your disciple involved in hospitality. Get them involved working in the parking lot. All those places where they'll get to know people. You know, I was talking to a guy this morning. He was just saying he's lonely. I said, well, okay, let's get you involved with other people. So let's just get you around some other guys. You see what I'm saying? That, that's what the ladies should do. Invite someone to the, the events that you're having. Invite them to dinner. Whatever you got to do. But make them comfortable in this local church. And so that's what we'll be talking about uh, in, on Wednesday night. So here's my key definition. And it's on your handout there. Discipleship is the essence of your spiritual experience, which Christ passed on through the word of God to someone else. And I think your handout, you may have to squeeze that in on there. But uh, discipleship is the essence of your spiritual experience, which Christ passed on through the word of God to someone else. So. It's important that, you know, when Brian was was young, you know, and Brian's my stepson. So it was an honor just to, to to disciple him. And so when God uses you, it's just amazing how many you may not use that term. But when you disciple somebody, that becomes your spiritual son or your spiritual daughter. And it's important that because you never know where that person is going. So you disciple someone. When I discipled Kenny, he discipled Eliseo Gomez. Eliseo Gomez discipled Andrew Ong. Okay, and if I keep going, Bruno is in. So let's see. Eliseo is in, I don't know, he's in another country. Bruno's in Brazil. Andrew Ong is getting ready to go to Vietnam. And they all call me Pops. 
because Kenny's dad died when he was two years old. So he didn't he never knew his father. So I became his earthly father, really, and his spiritual father by leading him to the Lord. So now there's a lot of people all over the world as a part of this reluctant guy who didn't want to do discipleship because I said I didn't need it. So what you need to do is don't sit in these chairs and say, ah, I don't need that. No, God needs you. He wants you to invest your life into the life of someone else, particularly in this goal. Goal number two, establishing the word of God. Man, and there's others. There's others that I could just name a bunch of. They're in New York. Kenny went crazy. He he was discipling New York Jets. He was discipling doctors in New York. Rosie and I went up there and met these people. And I said, man, you're a machine. But he wasn't just doing it to put notches in his belt. He was following the Lord. So that's your challenge. Are you going to follow the Lord and do what God would want, wants you to do? I pray that you do. I pray that you'll be back here on Wednesday night so that you can listen to the other two goals. So that you can say, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. I am willing to go. I'm willing to live out the Great Commission. John 15, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. What? That you should go and produce fruit and the fruit should remain. Wow, that's discipleship right there. You see? And here's my final thought. Point number two. The more you as a disciple help your disciple become comfortable in using and being established in the word, it gives them a solid foundation to build on the plan God has for them. Now, my friend that I, I told you he had the NIV, he had a Greek Bible, too. He had lots of stuff. And he would just got out. He got upset. He said, oh, man, they didn't teach me this. And he went to a, I guess I better be careful, but he went to a school that was over in Independence. I just won't say the name of it. And they didn't teach him this. You have 16 fundamental lessons that somebody else says, oh, that's too simple for me. Yeah, okay. Well, why, why are there people all over the world who are leading churches, pastors and leaders, teachers, Sunday school teachers, ladies who are teaching we have sis studies, we have blueprint, we have all that. And it starts with discipleship. So I'm begging you and I'm asking you to listen to the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on you and you submit to it and say, I'm ready to be a disciple. I'm ready to be a discipler. And you know, if you hear the different terms, disciple discipler, whatever you want to call it. I'm just saying... Give your life over to the Lord starting today. And like you said, there's going to be some folks out there at the desk. Sign up for it or go home and pray about it and ask God to give you wisdom to do what you need to do to follow the Lord in discipleship. Amen. 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 My time is up. I'm talking like Pastor Shelby. He says that. (laughs) He's a good discipler. Yeah. So, so we're going to close out in prayer. Don't forget to get your children. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
That's the way it should be. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much for our time tonight. Uh, thank you, Lord, for Brandon and, and speaking on establishing.